With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Educate an Idiot. I'm Mark. And I'm Bo. And today we're going to talk about credible sources. Um, what's a credible source? Is it legit? Is it trustworthy? Um, that kind of thing. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about before we get into this, Bo? Yeah, so before we jump into this, I'm just, I just want to say uh, I'm not a journalist. I, I've read one textbook about journalism, which I'll talk about later. So when it comes into like the journalism type of realm of credible sources, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt because I'm not an expert, but I do actually work in science and I do a little bit of science writing. And so I can talk about uh, what are credible sources from the aspect of science and how you actually go about getting published and what that process is like. So I have a little bit of an understanding of credibility and trustworthiness and uh, source sources and publishing so i feel like i can kind of hit on that a little bit but yeah i mean the thing that made me think of this subject is social media especially because you, you scroll through facebook and you see a, a clickbaity article that's like oh we found the cure for COVID 19 and then you click on it and it's like well this is what the world would look like if we actually found a a cure for it. I mean, so it's kind of clickbait, but then it's like, uh, you know, researchers at this university are coming really close. And then you look up an, another article about the same thing and it's like, ah, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what's going on, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's really easy to misrepresent something too, especially on social media. That's, I mean, everyone, it seems like is trying to be a journalist on social media. They present whatever they uh, whatever they think and they present it as fact and you know they don't provide any evidence and or and that there are a couple specific cases i know of where they provide evidence that's not particularly good ed- evidence <laughs> and they're just yeah. passing it off like it's the truth uh i'm thinking about oh i can't remember the name of the group but if you remember the doctors a few i guess a couple months ago now that we're talking about how hydroxychloroquine cures COVID-19 and their patients and whatever they, a group of like seven or 10 doctors where the video was shared all across Facebook. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. They were somewhere in Washington, DC and they're all wearing white coats with no name tags and they didn't, you know, identify who they were or anything. They were just like, we're doctors because we're wearing a white coat. Right. And you know, they are actual doctors. I, I actually looked into who they are and what they do, and the main woman who is leading the video, she's she's a doctor, but most of her patients are not in intensive care. You know, they're in outpatient facilities, and the data that she collected was giving hydroxychloroquine to people in outpatient care facilities and then reporting that they miraculously got better. Well, people in outpatient care facilities are the people who are likely to get better anyway, it's not it's not that hydroxychloroquine yeah, I mean, worked it's that 
she wasn't caring for very sick people. Yeah, I mean, they were on the way out the door, and it's like, ah, I've made them better with this. Yeah, and, you know, that's a that's a good point of, you know, social media, you can present all these statistics and all these data, but if you're not really vetting the information, it doesn't really prove anything. <laughs> all it does is misinform a lot of people, and then it, it spreads, you know, it goes viral, and a ton of people see it, and it's like, well, well... Why don't they just use this drug? Apparently that's a cure for COVID, but then in fact it's it's more complicated than that. Right. And it's maybe not even the case sometimes. Right, yeah. I mean, as a general rule of thumb, if I see someone that says like, you know, this is always going to cure this or this is this is the cure to something, I pretty much throw it out the window and say, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about, especially coming from a science background. Uh and all the papers that I have to read and the stuff that I write, you know, the conclusions are always like, you know, this may work. And with a certain degree of certainty and, you know, the statistical variance of all these events that this this is supported by the data. But, you know, we never say like, you know, this is what you have to do or this is what you need to do. That's a, I mean, if someone's telling that to you, it's pretty much bullshit. You can trust that. <laughs> 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 so I mean that that brings us to, um, like with it with it like scientific journals and uh, things of that nature. Uh, how did they go about making sure a source is credible? Yeah, so this is I'm surprised pretty often about how few people know about how the uh, publishing process works in science. So. Generally, you have a couple of rounds of what they call review when you first submit a paper. And how they do this, they take your paper, your draft of a paper, and they pass it around to probably five to ten experts in the field. Uh, these experts are going to be selected by the keywords that you choose for whatever you write. So when you write a paper, you typically have to write like a one paragraph summary and then five to ten keywords those keywords are like i said they're they're used to select reviewers and these reviewers you know your name is removed from the paper and their name is removed from their review so there's no conflict of interest and these reviewers will go through and they'll look at uh, how you set your experiments up uh, and how you review the data that you've taken so there are a couple different ways you know that you can review data especially in uh, what i work in i work with a lot of water quality and water flow data and that stuff is very uh it can change quite a bit depending on what time of day that you measure things and you know everyone's got their own specific opinions on what you measure and how you measure and why and theoretically the idea is since your paper is given to five to 10 experts in the field, they'll look at it and they'll see if your results make sense. If the way that you set up your experiment is, uh, you know, useful for what you're trying to record. And if it's not, then they'll recommend that the editor, the person who's running the journal, they'll recommend that they don't publish you. If it does come off as credible, then they'll start looking at your sources. Uh, and, what I mean by that is you have to cite uh, previous work, 
to be like the uh, the reason or the impetus for why you wrote the paper and if they don't like the sources that you reference as previous work they may make a note and they may say like hey you know this paper was discredited in such and such year so don't cite this look into this researcher who does this and change your experiment and you know this goes on for for me personally it's been a month or two uh of just getting you know just until you get your reviews once you get your reviews you have a certain period to make the changes that they recommend and then depending on the journal you know they'll send it and they'll do it again and you know for the really prestigious journals this happens uh, a lot of you know a pretty good number of times three or more for a lot of the uh the cheaper to publish in the more uh internet ready journals and things like that you know they'll do it once but (laughs) it's uh, (laughs) i mean it's it's a big deal to get published in a in an academic journal and because of that you know it takes a lot of a lot of revision and a lot of fact checking yeah i mean it's it's not somebody that just read a wikipedia page about something that's just like oh well here's my take on it and this is scientific so I'm just going to go ahead and give it to BuzzFeed or something like that and <laughs> slap it on the internet and it's fact. Right. And you know, there is a field that's science reporting and their whole job is to take, you know, these academic articles and turn them into, like you said, the BuzzFeed articles or whatever. And that the idea with those is, you know, general information. Uh, but I actually... I know a couple science reporters. I've spoken to a couple science reporters in the past, and they, uh, sorry, there's a truck. So I know a few science reporters, and I've spoken to a few science reporters in the past, and they take their job really seriously. So they work a lot of the times with the researchers who actually published the, the information in the journal articles. And they try to make sure very specifically that they don't, you know, present the wrong conclusions. Because I know, I mean, a lot of science articles are hard to read. That's just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. as someone who has to read science articles for most of the day, I can tell you that I can probably get through one or two before my eyes start to cross and I'm just bored as hell. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it never fails. The conclusions are always like, we did all of this work and we think that this happens, but because we didn't get the exact data that we needed, we can't prove anything. So, you know, maybe do this yourself in the future. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, it gets frustrating, but, you know, these science reporters, they actually sit down with the researchers and they ask them, like, what's a more concise conclusion that I can write? Like, you know, you probably shouldn't tell the general public like yeah we spent all these you know tens of thousands of dollars of your money to research this and we came up with this vague idea of what happens but (laughs) nothing super specific you would say something like researchers found that such and such uh, material may have such and such property or whatever so (laughs) yeah they they use the may a whole lot instead of you know it does right Right. Yeah. You never say that it does unless, you know, it's been proven time after time after time. Uh, For example, something like 
you know, climate change or, you know, you don't say the climate may be changing. You say the climate is changing where the may comes in is, you know, this may be caused by our activities or whatever. So, yeah, or cows or forest right. fires or whatever. Right. Yeah. They don't say like, this is what the cause is. They say this may be the cause and we may need to do this, this and this. So, uh, so what's a, a good basic rule of thumb on, like, if you see an article, usually online, uh, what's a good way to find out if it is creditable? Credible? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, that's the million dollar question right now, right? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this is something that I actually had to look up because I have my own ideas and how I how I read the news and things, I, I kind of follow my own rules. Uh, most people kind of break things down by where the the news source skews. And if you think back to like the first episode that we did, we talked about the left versus the right and what it means to be liberal versus conservative. News sources are going to skew to the left and right just like people do because news sources are run by people and they're written by people. So uh, you're going to have like your Fox News that skews heavily conservative and your MSNBC that skews heavily liberal. And uh, you may have people there in the middle like NPR. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not trustworthy. Most people actually consider complexity to be what the uh, the trustworthiness factor is so i mean obviously you don't expect everyone in the world to sit down and read some really like complex breakdown of a topic and not everyone is picking up i don't the economist to <laughs> to learn about yeah. you know whatever <laughs> the monetary policy of the day is but something like NPR, you know, your public radio stations that run pretty, pretty thoroughly researched stories that don't have a, a heavy skew, you know, that's typically what people consider to be trustworthy versus uh, CNN actually doesn't have a very heavy political skew. They're pretty moderate, uh, but they're not very complex. You know, they're pretty much clickbait for boring people. So <laughs> it's... <laughs> And so they're considered to not be super trustworthy because they just they worry about getting the story out quick. They don't necessarily care how complex the reporting is. Uh, but I mean, it's it's difficult to to tell you know what a lot of these sources are, especially when it's sources that you're not necessarily familiar with. You know, people share all kinds of news news journals and uh, articles and things on facebook these days and you know how do you know that those are dependable i mean you don't really just offhand you kind of have to do some heavier work into figuring it out and you know that's a lot of effort for people that's i mean it it's not like it was in you know the uh <laughs> you know when you had a, a cronkite up on NBC News or whatever every night telling you exactly what was happening and how you have to feel about it and there's no one else to tell you how to feel, you know. 
And well, it's it's super easy to just share something real quick that looks real, and you're like, oh, that's probably real, and just share it real quick because you thought it was an interesting read. But then you also have like parody websites or that <laughs> or satire that you know it looks totally legit, but then it's it's super fake and it's not real, but people think it's real, and then you get into like the fake news thing and all that. Yeah, I mean, I I actually I've seen one news source uh there's a popular political magazine called politico and there is a fake news site called politico but the politico that they use is ends in t so it's p-o-l-i-t-i-c-o-t versus p-o-l-i-t-i-c-o and so the legit news (laughs) source doesn't have a t the fake news source has a t and that fools a ton of people yeah, I could I could see how that would be, you know, <laughs> confusing and kind of frustrating because you're like, oh, this is a real site, you know, it, it looks real, and you yeah. share it, and somebody's like, you're stupid, that's not real. Yeah, and then the other thing that plays into social media too, you know, they have these algorithms in the back that run that run the show, and if you interact with a fake news source from this one, you know, this one website, then they say, oh, this person is interested in the other kinds of ideas that this new site peddles. And so they may share a bunch of different fake news websites that are related to what you looked at once for two minutes or whatever, because you thought it was a real news site. <laughs> and then you just kind of start to spiral down the rabbit hole of, yeah, you, d- you don't even know where to go from there. And so because I look, because I'm at my job and I look up solar panels all day, you know, they're going to look at me and they're going to say, Oh, this is your, you know, standard, you know, hippie white liberal dude who cares a lot about the environment. You know, he he wants to see these sources where, you know, my my family members and stuff live in, you know, conservative rural America. And they're like, oh, they don't care about climate change. You know, tell them it's a hoax. So it kind of feeds into that. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like if, if you even it's like the thing, if you mention the word pizza and you're sitting next to your phone and you keep saying the word pizza over and over and over eventually you'll start seeing pizza ads and granted that's a whole different subject but like with me i look up a lot of kayak stuff and bikes and you know bicycles and that kind of thing so i don't see ads about climate change or articles or anything like that i see kayak stuff and like outdoorsy stuff so i mean i could definitely see how you know somebody that doesn't look up climate change or anything else like that they're not going to see that because of these algorithms Right, right. No, it's crazy. And by the way, thanks for uh, thanks for giving me about a month's worth of pizza ads. Now that's <laughs> <laughs> it. Definitely, uh, social media definitely makes things a lot harder than they used to be. That's for sure. Yeah, I remember when Facebook first came out, and you had to have a student ID to even have an account. And then, like two years later, my grandma had Facebook. So I mean, it's it's definitely come a long way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think. Uh, I'm pretty sure the first major internet news story that ever broke was like the Monica Lewinsky Monica Lewinsky scandal with Bill Clinton, right? And that was just on some dude's blog that turned into a turned into a major news source. I mean, we like to we like to make fun of Facebook and social media and fake news that comes about on it, but you know, the Monica Lewinsky scandal went down in history and that's like what, 20, 30 years ago now? Imagine 20, 30 years from now what people are going to 
you know, look back on from our era, it's going to be Facebook and fake news. It's Yeah. I mean, we could trash talk social media all day long. Granted, it does a ton of positive things. You know, I've met a lot of people that are, that, that share the same interest or, so I wouldn't have met all those people, um, or, you know, had experiences or, you know, talked with friends that I haven't seen in a long time. Sure. But I mean, there, there are a lot of negatives to, you know, the, the social media, especially the fake news stuff and the, the illegitimate uh, credentials of uh, these clickbaity articles. Right. No, I, yeah, I don't want to trash social media too much because exactly, exactly the things that you said, you know, it's actually been a pretty good, a pretty good thing in terms of thinking about, you know, rural America where I'm from, you know, the amount of information that actually does get out because of Facebook thinking like local news stories and stuff like, I mean, people who didn't buy the newspaper at home, you know, they just didn't know things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you see the stories that this guy's been in the jungle for 40 years or 50 years, you know, fighting this war that was over you know, 40 years ago. And the guy had no idea, but cause nobody told him he had no way of knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it is at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, I guess the big question is like, how do you, how do you figure out if a source is credible other than, you know, it being on a certain website or cause you know, it's a trusted website. They're like, okay, you know, this, this website's not going to give me fake news or they're not going to give me bad information. They're going to be pretty legit about it. Uh, what's a good way to do that either with you know, like news articles or even, uh, like social articles or not social science uh, writings and journals and all that. Yeah, so this is where I looked up and I uh, found a PDF of a textbook online called The Elements of Journalism by Bill Kovac and Tim Rosensteel. I don't know if anyone is super interested in, in that, but uh, you know they, they list a lot of the elements of good journalism. And, you know, number one is, you know, journalists they are dedicated to truth and loyal to citizens. So if someone is saying something about power structures or corporations or, and they're praising corporations or, you know, the, if they're singing the praises of our government or they're singing the praises of someone else's government or, uh, you know, such and such company is so good because they do this, I automatically kind of cast a skeptical eye on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But one of the authors of that textbook actually has an article online and he gives six questions to ask. The first one being, what kind of content is this? You know, it's important to look and see if you can find on the website that you're looking at, if this is a news blog or is it, you know, is it an opinion piece? Is this, you know, it'll say op-ed if it's opinion editorials or whatever. And if it's opinion, then it's not necessarily news. So you need to consider that. Uh, look at the sources. Any good journalism is going to cite some sources. And that's the same thing with, uh, like I said, with science earlier, is that, you know, you have to cite where the, the idea or the work comes from. And with news, it's a little different because it can be like eyewitnesses and they may not necessarily be people that you automatically consider reliable, but, you know, they are the sources because they were there. Uh, and other types of, uh, 
and other types of sources and articles and things like that, especially, you know, specifically a good example being COVID, look at who they quote. You know, did they just quote some random doctor who has been discredited in a journal six times? Or do they quote, you know, the head of the AIDS response team or something who works in infectious disease and viruses? That's that's a big difference. Definitely, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then you look at what evidence. So the next question is, what is the evidence and how did they vet this evidence? And so that is almost the same thing as sources, except instead of looking at the people or, you know, where they actually got the information, you look at the information itself. And this, uh, you know, this is kind of the hardest one for me, uh, specifically thinking of statistics. Like, it's so easy to fake things with statistics, and you just look super credible credible, because you're using these numbers. But, uh, well, but again, with COVID, you know, you may be reporting number of cases per 100,000 of the population, or you may be reporting number of cases per number of tests. And those are going to give you two very different numbers. And, you know, there may not be as many tests as there are citizens of a country. And so if you're looking at positivity per test, does that tell you a good, you know, does that give you a good idea of how much there or how many cases there are in a country? Likewise, if you're looking at number of cases per 100,000 people or whatever, if they're not even 100,000 tests, you know, how can you, (laughs) how can you tell? (laughs) So, and, you know, that goes into his next question is, did they prove their main point by using the evidence? I mean, if they give you all of this evidence, I mean, it's a journalism tactic to just throw statistics at you and then make a crazy assertion at the end. And if they just make this assertion that's not backed up by anything, then their evidence didn't do anything. It's not a reliable news source. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And then the one of the, the one of the last big things that he talked about is reading over the piece did it feel like something was missing and i can speak to this because this is a lot of what you have to do in science you have to kind of play the game to get published but you know you may read a bunch of sources and there may be you know five or six articles in this field that say oh we did these tests and they were inconclusive but there may be you know six six or seven more articles that say we did these tests and we got this this conclusion from them and you cite the six or seven articles that you know back up what what you want to say a lot of times though if you do that too much and it gets too heavy-handed you can read back over it and you're like okay wow i uh, did not give the whole story here <laughs> and so <laughs> it's the same thing with journalism it's you know they can present one side of the argument completely ignore the other side and then at the end you know it doesn't read like news anymore it reads like an opinion and the last thing that he recommended was you know every day question if you're learning what you think you need to know or what you think you need to learn and if you're not then you need to cut out your news sources and find new ones because they're not teaching you the kind of content that you need to get through, you know, your day and know about these certain uh, topics and out in the world and things, things that come up in your day to day. 
why would people make fake? I mean, I don't want to keep saying fake news, but why would they make these articles that are not credible? Do you think it's? I mean, I'm sure it's a number of things, but they would they want to get it printed or posted or whatever for popularity's sake or to be the first one reporting it so they get ratings or what what's your thoughts on that yes to all of what you said (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty much i mean since we've moved to an all online type of reporting base you know we don't we don't measure things and how many newspapers people sell anymore and you know when it was how many pe- how many newspapers that people sold then you know you had to uh you had to write more credible more uh checkable things because you didn't really sell that many newspapers and if that's all the news that you got then people are going to pay pretty close attention to it uh you know unless you're the only local newspaper in town or you know you're William Randolph Hearst and you own every other newspaper, but (laughs) that's, but, uh, now, now that we've moved all online, there are so many news sources out there. They're all competing with each other for clicks. And, you know, when you click on a news, a news source, uh, the ad traffic that you get on that, that website is how they run their entire operation. You know, the advertisers pay them money to advertise to a certain number of people. And, you know, the reporters who write these articles that get the most clicks, they may get the best stories in the future. And so they're incentivized to write these clickbaity things. And the companies are incentivized to run these clickbaity things because all the ad money that comes in and the social media sites are encouraged to share these clickbaity things to you because it brings engagement up and all sorts, all these different sorts of metrics. It's a, it's a game. I mean, when you think about it, it's a game of strategy and we have, (laughs) we have moved into people are constantly trying to one up the other news sources. And to do that, you know, sometimes they just have to run really sensational, crazy things that may not be credible. And you're just like, Oh, that's gotta be true. It came from them. Right, exactly. <laughs> Do you think there's other reasons that I didn't talk about, or is that pretty much sum it up? Well, I mean, yeah, it depends on how much... You know, not all news is political news, but if you look in realm of, like, what happens in politics and things like that, there's always going to be a skew from, uh, you know, left to right, as we talked about, and there may actually be involvement from you know, foreign countries and people who run these different news sites thinking uh, Al Jazeera is a really critical news source of the United States. And they're based in the Middle East where we have been in, you know, military, military interventions for almost 20 years now consistently. So of course they're going to be critical to the United States. Why would they run a positive article about us? That's, you know, those kinds of things come into play. Uh, you also hear about Russia meddling in the 2016 election by running all these fake news sites and using bots to peddle them online. And, you know, that uh, the involvement has been proven uh, necessarily why they did it hasn't been. So, you know, you can't speak to 
why they would meddle in it. But of course, it seems like, you know, you peddle these fake news sites, get people upset with each other, uh, destabilize a country, and then, you know, you don't have to worry about them anymore type of thing. So that's always going to come into play. That's why it's really important to check your sources and, you know, don't let yourself get played by a Russian bot somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's a way that, you know, just theory, you know, making theories here, what's a way we could make it better in the future or easier to see if something was a credible source? I mean, there are a few, a few ways that I can see that we could go about it. First of all, you have to regulate what's on social media. I know that that gets into controversial territory with, you know, First Amendment rights, and I, I, I don't really want to go into that because it's too complicated for me to understand. I'm not a legal scholar, but, <laughs> I mean, crazy things just get peddled on social media. At some point, you have to make libel cases easier to win and uh, slander and uh, interview sources and things like that. Like, you have to make it easier to present that in court to keep these crazy articles that have no basis from popping up. Uh, one thing that I think, I mean, this may just be me as a science writer coming in, but one thing that I really like about science writing is that at the end of the paper, you have a list of all your sources and you cite them with indexes of where you can find these papers, these other papers so that the people can go and read for themselves, kind of like at the end of Wikipedia. And I would really like to see online journalism sources do that where possible. I know a lot of times you have uh, informants who don't want their identity to be revealed for personal security reasons, and you can't you know, just out these people for no reason, but <laughs> that's well, where I mean, you can. Does that kind of tie into like a conspiracy theory, where it's like, oh, we'll just say you're anonymous... So it means you may be credible, you may not be credible, but we don't have to prove you're credible if we just say you're anonymous. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That's <laughs> uh, Depending on the news source, I would say that that happens a lot. Think about the op-ed that came out late last year or early this year. I can't remember. This year's felt like seven years. But <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a war the book came out i think at the beginning of this year called a warning by anonymous and that's apparently someone in the trump cabinet who issued a warning to the american people but no one knows who this person is or if they're even still in the trump cabinet or whatever and so i got frustrated with that news story because i don't know whether i should trust this person i don't know anything about them if they're even you know still working for trump if they made this stuff up i don't uh if what they said is true, if what they say is credible, then it's scary for sure, and it doesn't sound out of character, but, you know, how much of that is speculation? I'd <laughs> but then you think of, like, oh, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to cite someone who, when they're talking about, for instance, like, drug arrests or, you know, domestic abuse or some sort of personal victimization, and the person is still in the community you know you don't want to be like oh i ha I heard this from such and such and you know this helped me track down the lead for this story like that's a you know you're putting people at risk there so i think it depends on the scale of the <laughs> of the article if it's a major political scandal then yeah 
I mean, it sucks, but these, I mean, how am I supposed to know that what you're saying isn't just fake news if you don't tell me who you got it from versus, you know, such and such told me that this person is selling drugs and so I investigated it and this neighborhood is a hotbed for, you know, drug kingpins or whatever, so... Yeah, I mean it's 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 thin ice trying to figure out um, a good way to you know see if something is credible, and then you got to worry about censor- censorship also because uh, you know when I was a kid we had a section in our public library that was um, these are the censored books, and it was books that were censored at other libraries because of you know X Y Z reason like and that was the first time I read. Fahrenheit 451 because I was like, Ooh, this is banned somewhere. I want to read this. And you know, it made me want to read it even more because of that. And I'm almost, I almost kind of, you know, think about if this website, you know, they got censored half the time. And it's like, well, I want to read their actual stories that, you know, cause that are getting censored. So you got to go somewhere else to read these stories and they might be total crap, but because there's the thrill of like, oh, I'm not supposed to read this or not supposed to listen to this. You know, I'm definitely going to get my hands on it now. Yeah, I mean, so I read I read a lot of journalism and reporting, you know, uh, and a lot of the best stories that I've ever read are stories that were picked up because nobody else was talking about it. Thinking about uh, Ronan Farrow's recent pieces in The New Yorker that exposed Harvey Weinstein as a serial sexual predator and people knew about this openly for years and didn't run stories because he would, you know, pay them off with lawyers or, you know, his lawyers would come in and say, we'll sue NBC if they run this story. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder how much of the censorship that comes in is from these uh, private players or these, these big actors or whatever. But then again, you know, you also have to consider like, if the major news sources aren't running something, does that say, <laughs> does that say that maybe no one should be running it? Maybe it's not credible. You don't know where that line is. Uh, thinking again with, I mentioned Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton scandal as the first online news story. That story was that story was broke by the Drudge Report, Matt Drudge's personal blog, I think. And the the main crux of that story was that Newsweek had learned from uh, Pentagon officials, I think, that Bill Clinton had an affair with an intern in the White House, and no one ran the story because it didn't matter to the current political scandal, which was like a real estate scam. <laughs> and so they weren't going to run it in the newspapers because it was just sensational. Matt Drudge got a hold of it somehow and posted it online, and that begs the question of, you know, was that really necessary information? Like, it's terrible what Bill Clinton did, uh, really victimizing these young women, but it had nothing to do with the scandal that he was already being investigated for. It had nothing to do with how the country was run, and it was just some guy on a blog who found this tape that Newsweek wasn't running a story. So you really have to be super critical and just determine of, you know, how much of this is speaking truth to power and how much of this is just saying something because I want to get clicks. <laughs> oh, definitely. I definitely agree with you. It's, it's hard to distinguish a lot of the times. Um, so is there anything else we want to talk about? 
I, I think we've pretty much covered it to the best, <laughs> yeah. the best of my abilities, at least. Uh, you know, stay vigilant, keep keep yourself on your toes, and always you know don't trust anything unless. Uh, let me rephrase that. Uh, be skeptical of everything. Don't just trust it freely, but also don't allow yourself to not trust anything. <laughs> well, I don't know what to believe now. <laughs> I mean, you have you have to believe that somewhere, somehow, there's there's definite truth behind something. That's, you know, let's not get into the philosophy of that. But if there's no truth behind something, then what's the point of journalism? What's the point of the news? You know, if there's no truth to get to the store, get to the bottom, get to at the bottom of the story, what matters? You know, you have to accept that there is truth, but also realize that most of the people that present this truth to you are presenting it because they want money from advertisers and these advertisers have their own agendas so be super skeptical of what everyone tells you and then look for the little kernels of truth that pop up at the bottom of you know multiple sources <laughs> okay um <laughs> all right well thank you for hanging out with us this week uh i'm mark and i'm Bo. And uh, we'll see you next time. And uh, before we go, you can always email us at educateanidiot at mail.com. Uh, if you have any subjects you'd like for us to talk about, or if, you're, if you want to be interviewed, and if you want to educate other idiots like me out there. But once again, thanks for hanging out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.